This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hey, that's pretty bad. 136 to 130. The Raptors lose to the Knicks in the garden. Uh, the offense was pretty good tonight. They actually managed to turn that around to some degree. I haven't looked at their half-court points per possession yet, but if you poked in and looked at it, I'm sure it'd be good. Uh, the transition offense didn't look fantastic to me tonight, but 130 points, you can't turn your nose up at. However, 136 allowed that's really terrible uh they've been close to i don't know a bottom 10 defense over the past handful of games allowing 136 is not going to help that i think they were 11th in the nba coming into this game defensively as crazy as that sounds as bad as it's been lately uh there's no way they're 11th after this uh to talk about this game Esfandiar Barahani is here to join me uh, we're, we're all here to commiserate and, uh, we're all here to, uh, to just hang out and say like, wow, things are bad. Uh, how, how are you feeling at S? Yeah, this was tough, man. This was very, very tough. First of all, we're matching very nice, you know, for the people oh, listening, yeah. we're, we're wearing blue for the Knicks, for Knicks basketball, clearly. Um, sure. it was tough, man. Tough, very, very tough game. I, I, I think from the perspective of what we expected what the raptors could be this season their defense has just been so wildly inconsistent um and i i, I mean yeah words tough to to come across to like explain how i don't know apathetic i am to what's going on right i don't know if that's the right word like you know Ap- but- apathetic could definitely be accurate that could be yeah. fun i think uh let's do the quick stuff that went well Sure. And yeah. then there will be ton of if anybody wants to hear complaining or like yelling, that's not really my bag, the yelling thing. But we'll do um, uh, Coco says I'm in periwinkle. So we're different shades of blue, I say. But on top of that, though, let's maybe keep it on OG and Scotty. I think yeah. Pascal was quite passable in this game, but I do want to talk about how he struggled specifically. Uh, OG thoughts. Lots of drives. Lots of finishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. very, very, very good. Uh, I thought like, even though the jumper wasn't going, the Knicks were respecting the jumper and he was doing a great job of attacking closeouts and like punishing that aspect of it. Uh, finishing at the rim much better this season in general, but tonight was, you know, the best case scenario for it. I think he had 16 points midway through the third quarter and he he had only hit two threes and then right after that he hit a couple more threes to kind of uh buoy that box score but ultimately like i love the fact that he's getting downhill more he's more poised on those drives he's finishing more confidently there 
Um, super dope game. And honestly, the defensive stuff uh, probably wasn't the greatest tonight just because Randall, <laughs> Randall handled business against everyone today. Um, you know, you kind of expect that from OG to get stops, but he, yeah, it just big body Randall was, was too big of a factor. The offensive side was really good for OG though. Yeah. It's like, that's the thing about OG. I thought that a lot of the cuts in this game were really well made. I thought that the finishing was good. Um, contact finishes, finishes through traffic, doing a really good job there. And then Scotty, although he and Pascal both finish at 20 points, Pascal on 15 shots, Scotty on 13, Pascal three of seven at the line, which was like, woof. Uh, I think that their approaches, even though they end up at the same amount of points, were very different, and I liked Scotty's more. Like, credit to Siakam towards the end of the game, found his stride, but early on was struggling a lot because the Knicks did such a good job defending the rescreens. They did such a good job playing in the gaps and making sure that mm -hmm. there's no room. And that's why in this game, like Scotty and Pascal, for them, and especially Scotty, scoring off of offensive rebounds and jump shots. The Knicks packed the paint and did a really good job, very fundamentally sound. But I think there were so many, I know that the box score looks good at the end for Pascal. 20 points, four steals, four assists, 53% from the field. But there were so many possessions, I'm sure you saw this too, in the first half where you could see he's getting a controlled closeout. He's, the defense is bent for him already. Mm -hmm. There's a shot there. And I know you don't want him taking threes, but also he's forcing a drive downhill or the defense already bent and he can't he can't do a good enough job. And that's kind of the tough aspect. This game was, I think, a really stark contrast between Pascal working against tight defenses versus not shooting the jumper over top of a defense that wasn't going to respond to the rescreens. They were going to play in the gaps. Uh, just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, did you, you, you remember it kind of was like back-to-back -back possessions. One possession, he, I think he got the isolation on Jericho Sims, did like his patent fadeaway jumper. Like that's kind of like the area of the court where you think Pascal's going to thrive in, in terms of getting that mismatch, hunting it out, and then like operating in that area. But then there was another possession, I think it was maybe right after or a couple after where, like you said, the Raptors are kind of moving the ball around the perimeter. It gets to Pascal. They short, they close out short. He tries to attack regardless, and there's no advantage created. I think it's a turnover the other way, and Josh Hart goes for a layup. And it's just like it, it's like the the Raptors the the way the offense looks right now around Pascal doesn't do him any favors. Maybe where he's being positioned to go and attack and try to create advantages also isn't doing him any favors because of the someone called me OVOS wow I can't I can't do that I can't claim that at all <laughs> but uh the the way that they're manufacturing these shots for Pascal there's so much variance to it that on one possession he'll get a shot a spot where he exactly wants it that like mid-range pull up against Jericho Sims and then on the other one he's trying to attack a tilted defense that is like you said already tilted um and it it just seems wonky I don't know. I think that's probably the best way I would put it. So wonky approach from Pascal. There was a lot of possessions where Pascal is getting the ball above the break, right in the middle. And there's help from either side he chooses. We saw the one possession late in the game where Scotty hits the three. Scotty does a great job forming up to Pascal's drive. But Pascal has it basically on one side. And he has one defender he needs to collapse before he opens up a three-point shot. And when he's in the middle of the floor, 
and they kind of just get to squeeze in and neither side has to commit fully. They just get to yeah. show it's he's just not creating anything. And so Pascal finished out this game fine. It was passable. If for the box score watchers, you're not going to be able to look at this one and tear him apart. But I was actually really, especially in the first half, disappointed with Pascal's approach. And he is a more talented on ball player than Scotty. And Scotty, I think, was seeing this game better. And Scotty wasn't forcing it. Scotty was like, let me get into the jumper and let me see what I can do about putting the the ball up and seeing how I can help the framework of the offense. So I thought there was a pretty stark contrast there. Um, an interesting comment was brought up. Okay. It, Great Persian name? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not that one. It was talking about the starts to the season. Okay, here we go. From Bryce Diamond, through 23 games in 2013-14, Raptors were 9-14. and 14. Through 22 games in 2021-22, 9-13. I wonder what we thought of those teams at that point of the season. Can we look back quickly? What did you mm. think about those teams? I was very, very looking forward to a Rudy Gay trade, if that's the year we're talking about. Uh, yep. Yeah, it is, right? Um, I was very much so like, man, this team doesn't work. It's like way too many people trying to look for their own shots between Kyle, between DeMar, between Rudy. It just didn't work at all offensively. The defense was out of sorts. There was no balance on the roster, which comes to mind when it comes to this team as well. There is not a lot of roster balance positionally. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there are, there are some... Um, some parallels. I know you've done a piece yourself on some of the parallels between that year and this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I think that, right? You did, right? You did. There yeah. was there was somebody said that they were very, very comparable from the optimistic standpoint. So mm -hmm. I wrote a piece kind of looking at everything that was the same and everything that was different. And I came away basically saying there's nothing that similar between right. them because there's no Kyle Lowry comp. And for anybody who wants to say like, Scotty and Kyle Lowry, sure, to some degree, but also Kyle Lowry was about to become a perennial all-NBA impact guy, which Scotty might, but Scotty's not going to get underpaid like Kyle was for yeah. like six straight years. And and Kyle being underpaid allowed the Raptors to fill up the roster um, with better players and have a deeper team, which has been uh, evasive to this point, let's say. Yeah, and for their part, the Raptors did a great job of like working around the edges, right? And some of the guys that they did take swings on, they worked, worked out. the edges, man. They worked like they, the edges. Their yeah. Elbow in the edges. Oh dude. yeah, yeah. Fred VanVleet, Finals MVP vote getter, was a, a was an edge move as much as possible. You know, um, look, I I I think ultimately, like the the comparable comes down to the 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 idea of balance and this team not being as balanced positionally structurally however way you want to put it not being as balanced as you'd wish it would be um and yeah that might end up meaning a trade that might end up not meaning a trade in this scenario but there's there's multiple outcomes to this we saw how it looked in 2013 and what direction they went with maybe that happens again maybe it doesn't but i think the parallel is you know in terms of positionally just the balance of this team is off. And I think just to look back at how I was feeling about both teams, in 2013-14, I was looking at the team and saying, yeah, Rudy Gay probably has to be traded just to shake things up, start pursuing a different future for this team. And also, the the other part is that a lot of nobody wants to trade Scotty right now. But in 2013-14, a lot of people, it wasn't just Rudy Gay. Right. It was yeah. also Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry definitely, well, he very, 
he almost got traded. Yeah. And then he didn't. And now the Raptors are getting sued. There's a, a lineage there, <laughs> a history, of course. Um, and then, so I wanted the team to shake things up. And in 2021-22, I didn't really care if they shook things up because we had seen, I don't know if it was 9-13, and we had seen, what, maybe six games of Pascal so far. We had seen, what, I guess, 22 games of Scotty Barnes to that point, and he had been super encouraging. I right. thought, and also, Fred was en route to a, an all-star selection, right? So we were seeing a bunch of these things that, like, hmm, they seem positive. The team was younger. The team was more affordable. And I was like, I guess we'll see what happens. Obviously, they ended up making the playoffs. They seemed really encouraging than we had last year. And this the team this year, I do think that it behooves the Raptors to move in a different direction. Now, there's a couple different pathways, a couple couple different avenues of what that looks like. Yeah. But I do think moves have to be made. To stand pat is maybe the biggest move in itself and a bad one. A if malpractice, you if you if you will. Um I don't know, man. It's it's funny because we can say conventional wisdom would say this Raptors team should make a move. And I think we've probably been beating that drum for the last two years where it's like, well, this team last year probably should have made a move. They did. It was a buy move instead of a sell move, which was against the conventional wisdom of saying, hey, this team might have to go to a different direction. They actually doubled down on that direction. And such a weird buy move, too. Very strange. Yeah. They're like other teams who are in a similar space, let's say, are like, we're going to go out and get Derek White. And you know what? We'll ha- we'll just go for it. And the Raptors, and like, I get it. Thad Young came over and he was a plus minus king for a stretch of like 21 games or something. Yeah. But that can't be your move. Yeah. That, that just can't be your move. I know he's making four times as much this year as Otani is, which speaks to Thad's uh, <laughs> incredible prowess. But that's a crazy move to make. And then the next season, I sat here, I went to Niagara Falls with my friends who came from Saskatchewan the, the day of Yacht gets traded at like 3 a.m. I sit yeah. here and I say, geez, seems to me like the Raptors aren't a good enough team to justify this trade. Mm-hmm. We're here all these months later. Seems like that's the case. Yeah. Tough, man. And tough is the way to describe it because uh, it's it's gotten to the point where you do not expect this Raptors team to move in a conventional way, right? Um, and I, I just, going into these next couple of months and knowing that in the back of my mind, I'm kind of hesitant to say, yes, the Raptors will absolutely trade Pascal and move in a different direction, or yes, they will absolutely trade OG and move in a whatever, right? Like whatever the outcome is, I'm hesitant to be like, a hundred percent, not even like, okay, let's say 90% sure of that because of the way that they've moved over the last couple of years, because of how they've operated. It just seems like whatever the conventional thought is, whatever these, this comment section is suggesting right now, they are going to move in the exact opposite direction. The the comment (laughs) section always has a lot of ideas, but you bring up maybe the most important thing, which you have brought up before is that the most important identifier of how a front office will move going forward isn't in fact what you think the team should do because we rarely think the same as a front office does but also the most important indicator of what they're going to do is past track record decision making 
Mm-hmm. It isn't it isn't like, oh, this would be a good thing to do. It's like, well, what do these guys usually do? Right. And when Masai comes out at the trade deadline and says, I don't think the trade deadline is a good place to make decisions <laughs> for the future. It makes me kind of like, yeah, does that mean everything is coming down to this summer? Right. I don't know, man. And especially since the fan base is looking at this saying trade now, give it, give it now. And it's not happening till at least what is December 15th or January 15th. It's not happening for a little while, but <laughs> there you go, man. Uh, people want change. Yeah. Um, Samuel Barefoot, thank you for the $5. He asks us, how would you guys react if they try to win now by trading for PJ Tucker? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would be the Joker meme, you know? Uh, like, yeah, it would be tough. I, I don't know how to explain <laughs> well, to especially myself. Since- I reckon that would be great word, by the way. Kind of Blue says, return to the Halcyon PJ Tuckin days. Man, Halcyon, I love the term Halcyon days, firstly. Oh, yeah. And we, I look back on them, certainly. But especially, you know, shout out to our friend Nabil, who says how important second round picks are in the new CBA. You can't be handing those things out willy-nilly for yep. PJ Tucker or Jakob Pertle. You just can't be giving those things out, man. Uh, if they add to this team, I would be very confused. I can see if they try and make like a lateral move from the Pascal Siakam position where you say Scotty's making the all-star leap. We want him to try and play on competitive teams going forward instead of Pascal for a bunch of assets. Maybe we try and do Pascal for a player who is maybe not as good, but comparably good, maybe a little bit more cost efficient and is going to help pair with Scotty better for that next however long instead of starting from scratch again because then Scotty will be on his max extension with maybe a team that doesn't suit him at that time it's you know it's all up in the like, air. right you know who that sounds like right what you described oh stop I'm just saying no it's, it no, sounds no, like no. a specific type of player I, I no. use a lateral fits better with what Scotty's doing La- being more competitive I I've, uh, I don't know I'm just saying I don't know I don't Scotty, I'm talking about Zach not, Levine, by the I way. know it's <laughs> not just, but my thing is like, it's not just shooting to fit next to Scotty. No, Scotty is yeah. he's still so dependent on other people's creation. Yeah. Tonight was a good example, too, right? Like, he's scoring mostly on offensive rebounds and jump shots. He can't navigate the lane that's packed. He's having trouble creating from a standstill. You need a player who pairs well with that, a player who can help create for him sometimes. And Pascal can certainly create for Scotty. That's why we see these dramatic splits in Scotty's numbers when Pascal is on the floor versus off. But conceivably, there's a player in the future who can help create for Scotty, yes, and can also play off of Scotty a little bit more efficiently with floor spacing than Pascal has. Um, all that said, we're going to get back to the the Knicks game quickly. Yeah. Um, Dennis Schroeder. The quietest twenty and ten game of the season so far. Yeah, those ten those ten assists look like uh, Nick's Nick scoreboard. People were doing him some favors. The first one, <laughs> the first one. Pascal took three dribbles on a fast break. Yeah, seven tough, steps, man. not seven steps without a dribble, but seven steps over the duration. They gave Dennis the assist. Yeah, that's crazy. I, Dennis, I don't know if he has all the scorekeeper guys on the take. I know you have a friend who did scorekeeping as well. And who knows like the verify, verify, verify. I don't know how the hell these things make it out as a crazy, but 20 and 10, let's take it back to the shooter starting lineup thing with the caveat 
this team won't be fixed by a starting lineup change. However, it could be enhanced with better lineup uh, framework, I suppose. Right. Where are be, you on? Where could, are you? Big yeah. guy, big rich. Oh, ass don't do that. For don't do that. Sports. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I no, I do think uh, to to what most people think. I do think the Raptors should tweak the starting lineup. I've been on wax since before the season started that Dennis Schroeder shouldn't be the starting point guard for this team. He's been awesome for a bit. Now we're seeing the opposite side of that, where he's struggling with his jumper a little bit more. The defense was great to start the year. I thought the defense tonight was pretty poor from Dennis Schroeder overall, just like not navigating around screens the way he was to start the year. The last few games. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that maybe like there's something that's bothering him like leg injury wise. I know he was dealing with something like midway through the year, but ultimately like the defense has not been good to start uh, over the last couple of games, like you mentioned. And like, I just don't see the offense buoying his productivity and value enough to keep him on the court and be a starter when there might be a different look that could look better next to these other guys. We just talked about how much like spacing and secondary playmaking and all that stuff makes sense. There are benefits to starting a player like Dennis Schroeder. He's quick. He can get downhill, dribble penetration, drive and kick stuff. Very, very good with Dennis Schroeder. But then the other side of it is there were multiple possessions tonight, especially in the third and fourth quarter where Dennis is above the break. Pascal Siakam creates an advantage in the post. He kicks it to Dennis above the break. Nobody helps. <laughs> nobody nobody is respecting that shot and no advantage is gained, right? And I think that's something you have to look at and tweak. And I, I honestly, I don't know if the Raptors will tweak it. My question to you would be like, you, do you think they would actually remove Dennis from the starting lineup? Because I'd be surprised if they do, especially given like the Darko connection. He's the big signing this summer, all that stuff. Like, I don't know. I'd be surprised. Big signing. I love that. <laughs> that's very good. I, I will say... That I think, like, especially after, I thought offensively, for the most part, Dennis played a pretty tidy role tonight. I think it was like 20 points on, what, 12 shots. Yeah. And he did actually hit four jumpers tonight, two out of the mid-range, two from downtown. The The big problem lately, and I know this is, like, if you look at the, the starters coming into this game, they defensively were 53rd percentile, offensively, 17th so what you're saying is that is the overall trend tonight it was more so the defense but that is kind of the point that when you looked at this lineup and you take the same lineup from last year you just swap Fred and Dennis it was a very strong lineup the idea was that Dennis is supposed to punch above his weight so much defensively that it makes this starting lineup more tenable because nobody should have had any thoughts about Dennis being a better offensive player just because of gravity and spacing than than Fred was, Dennis was supposed to give you so much more in point of attack defense. And that has really fallen off a lot over the course of the last few games. Mm -hmm. And there is this thing where it compounds. When you fail at one thing, you start to fail at a lot of the other things. And the Raptors, a team that, like Darko said, you know, I asked him at his, his introductory press conference, like, what about the defense? He said, don't worry, we're going to have a good defense. I'm excited about all the different styles we can play. I'm excited about, you know, protecting the paint, forcing yep. late contest wing threes and, and guarding the corner threes. And it's like the corner threes lately have been more available. The paint lately 
has been more available. And that is a direct correlation between more point of attack slippage, mm-hmm. having to rotate to it, and not being as quick to rotate back out. And being like this happened to this team last season. Once it slipped at the point of attack, they were slower rotating to get in front of drivers yeah. and slower rotating to get back out. What helped save them was that for a time, Jakob was sublime guarding the rim. He's not been as effective this season. And after the trade, Fred was better at the point of attack and he was better off ball. And the Raptors as a team defended better. To start this year, they defended better. Everything's falling back to the wayside. This is tough, man. Yeah. And and yeah. like you said, and like I can't remember who asked, but they asked um, what happens I think it was Dawson Ned. I can't remember. Or sorry, Simon Amorim says, okay, but who do you actually replace Schroeder with? And this is a big question. Yeah. And But there's kind of like one answer for the most part, I think. It's Gary. Mm-hmm. And that's a bet on not the defense, because the defense Shooter. probably gets worse. Yeah. It's a bet on the offense. What do you make of that that interplay? Is that something you're interested in? Yeah, no, look, I, I think, again, I, I, I said from the beginning of the year that I think Gary would have made more sense offensively. I agree with you that there is a drawback defensively. And then my question is, Gary has struggled to start this year too. Like he hasn't been as good offensively, especially in the shooting department, as you would have liked. So... Maybe he plays better now paired with Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes. Maybe, you know, like his offensive production is so tied to them creating advantages for him off of these like spot up opportunities for him. Maybe even some dribble handoff stuff that you can throw in there with both of those guys. I think there's an avenue avenue for him to look much better offensively with the starters. But then you look at the defense and you're like, ah, who is going to you're asking a lot out of OG to be that point of attack defender for you. OG took on the Brunson role to start this game. I think he switched on to Randall because Randall was cooking a lot more. And now you're asking OG to play in multiple different spots and be that point of attack defender and maybe have to switch out onto Randall. So like, let's say in tonight's situation, right? He was on Brunson to start this game. The Raptors realized that Randall started cooking both Pascal and Scotty. They asked OG to switch out onto Randall, which, by the way, Randall still did his job in that department. But it creates an advantage for Brunson, who did a really good job in the second half of carving up the Raptors. I just think it's like you are going to have drawbacks. And I, either way, steal, realistically. Steal from Peter to pay Paul. That's like the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant you know term you use or whatever no idea but i'll believe it yeah sure it's (laughs) you are going to run into some defensive stuff but i i just wonder about does it better balance the the starting lineup from an offensive standpoint and you ask guys like scotty who his defense has slipped as of late yeah og obviously you don't want to blame him too much, but his defense was less effective tonight, but mostly mm-hmm. just because, hey, man, if Julius Randle is going to hit six fadeaways yeah. on the baseline, yeah. he's going to hit six fadeaways on the baseline. That's not every game for him, and especially with a hand in his face and good contests, like OG taking the body bump, even Pascal in those same yeah. plays. Um, you just have to try and find that equilibrium. The question for Darko, obviously, that he's asking himself, that the front office is asking themselves is like, is the attempt at finding that equilibrium going to be rewarding enough to shake up 
the starting lineup because there's the human aspect of it too. Like if you take Dennis out, there's going to be something there, presumably maybe, maybe not a big thing, but something. And cause I assume when they talked to him and they said, Hey, they probably talked about a starting role and Darko is probably like, I love this guy. He's going to (laughs) start. And the Raptors are underperforming. I think both sides of the floor. And you have to wonder like, okay, what does this all look like? And I don't really know what it would look like, but from my point of view and like the, the analyst point of view, I want to see things change. I want to write about and talk about a changing team, what they're trying from the fans point of view. They're like, I want to see things change. I want to watch something different. And from the coach's point of view, he's like, I want to maintain like cohesion in the locker room and find the best product going forward. And he definitely, the coach's thought process is it's never, Oh, these guys don't do this. It's always, what do these guys do? How do I accentuate that? And that's probably the biggest reason for why that isn't happening. But from my point of view, uh, you know, that's what I think. And Nesta asks why, what MLE is guaranteed starting. That's true. <laughs> that's a good that's question. true. Yeah. But that doesn't change that those would have been the conversations. Yeah, yeah. Like you you tell a guy he's starting, then you have to take that back. He he doesn't look at the amount of money he's paid. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. He said you said I was starting. Um, but that's kind of my thoughts on the starting lineup thing. You gotta it's a walking on the edge of a knife, I suppose. I mean, the other positive is that the bench will look probably even better than it has if you throw Dennis in there, in my opinion. It would be funny if it looked worse. It would, it be, would funny. be funny if both were worse. <laughs> it would be very funny. I agree. I don't know. I think like there's there's a world in which you kill multiple stones or kill multiple birds with one stone. You don't kill stones. You kill multiple birds with one stone. Uh, in order to bench Dennis, you give Gary a little bit more of a role. He works better offensively with those starters. And then off the bench, you have Dennis and Malachi sort of orchestrating things for this team, creating advantages. I could see a world in which that works. Do the Raptors see that? Do they do they potentially see the benefit, like you said? I don't know, man. I don't think they it, do, to be it's honest. It's kind of funny that if you look at the Raptors' success over the past however many years, the years where they don't have a member of the backcourt selected to an all-star game. <laughs> the years <laughs> where they do. It's just like, that's what it is. Uh, their backcourt has not been good enough. Oh, God. Like, their backcourt has not been able to lead them to a bunch of stuff. And so um, I know everybody talks about trades and rebalancing the roster. And I'm sure most, like, if somebody's telling you to trade for a wing right now, stop it. Yeah. Never bring it up again. You got to look to the backcourt. We're bringing in from behind enemy lines where he lives, I suppose. Uh, Baker, uh, give us uh, our... Our weekly drop-in from you on the Raptors. What are your thoughts? Behind enemy lines, bro. What? What did I do? You're a Celtics fan, man. Celtics, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm not an enemy. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, yeah, you're you're right about that. (laughs) Um, uh, fun game. Uh, uh, lots of lots of points. Uh, not a whole lot of defense being played on either side. Um. So that was nice. Um, 
But uh, this isn't a game that this isn't the type of game the Raptors is gonna <laughs> win. They don't really have like they like they're not they're not built to like get into shootouts with teams. Um, they're more built to just muck up the game and uh, you know try to just win in the trenches and try to just win like the the slugfests. Um, you know the 92, 99 games or like you know, the games that are in the hundreds. Um, you know, this is games that they could lean on their defense a lot more, you know, even though their offense isn't perfect. Um, they kind of just lean into, you know, getting extra possessions, just being the more physical team, mm-hmm. but being the more active team. Like when when a team that's just as talented as them and is better than them at all the little things that they do, it it's a it's a big problem. And you know, that's what the Knicks are. Like they're a little bit more talented. They they definitely like do all the little things well, like crash the glass, you know, fight for extra possessions, you know, make a conscious conscious effort on rebounding. So you know they kind of met their match today. Um, you know, the defense was awful. Um, you know, anytime a team shoots sixty percent from the field and fifty eight from three, like you're not gonna win that many games. Um, especially even if you like shoot really well let's, from the let's field keep and it, from three, let's keep it you know, there. Like the I want to ask you, you watch quite frequently yeah. the Raptors, which I appreciate, but also quite frequently the third best defense to, in the NBA. I hate that I do the Celtics. What are some of the hallmarks that you see the Celtics achieving night to night that the Raptors haven't been defensively lately? Because they haven't been good defensively lately. What are, what what are what are we missing? Don't say the players. Come on, like we we need a little more. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, they definitely. They, <laughs> I said I said earlier in the season they have the personnel on defense. Like that, that's that's for sure. You know they have a lot of guys who can you know just uh can really defend their position really very well and also like you know fight a like kind of punch above their weight class and you know fight. Uh, I mean not fight but like a uh, uh, guard. Um, you know other other positions they're very versatile but uh i think with boston it's just like you know i think like the drop has been very good and also like they have a lot of interchangeable pieces on defense and um also like i think their bench like coming in it doesn't hurt them as much on defense as one like you know sometimes when the raptors come in with their bench units or like sometimes when they try to mix and match starters you know, they somehow can just like, you know, stay even mm. defensively, like like, you know, Sam guys like Sam Hauser and Payne Pritchard. <laughs> you would think you you would think that these guys We like, can't like, bro, they have precious you, you Achua think, yeah. and it, we can't oh man, it's so crazy. Wait, can I man. say something? Yeah. I just looked at the stats. Yeah. The Raptors yeah. dropped from I believe eleventh in defensive rating. This game are now nineteenth. <sighs> these Raptors these Raptors with Jakob Pertl, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, whoever you want to pick, Dennis, I at first, when he got signed, Trey, he sold me a dream about Dennis at the point of attack, having just watched him in a, you know, a Lakers series. I, I, I was, predicted all def- I said the all defense vote, remember? Yeah. Right. And and I liked it to start the year. I came around on it. But I gotta tell you, the things have fallen to the wayside. 19th? For this team, and you're gonna be that bad offensively, completely untenable. Oh, I thought like you know twelve was thing? the, the like, floor, man. Well, only the Wizards and yeah. Pistons have lost more games in the Eastern Conference. Is just insane. 
way, way to. I'm way sorry, to bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, listen. You know what? It's fun. Like we're we're having the defense conversation, but uh, earlier in the Raptors Republic trade spaces, uh, you were talking about building from the middle and how that's a recipe for disaster. You've experienced it as a Wizards fan slash Celtics fan. No, now you don't claim yeah. the Wizards. Now you don't. Claim- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, like being from being from the metropolitan area, I kind of like I I root for them, you know, because you know I'm, I'm from the area. Uh, I watch the games all the time, and you know, you know, football football. I root for right. the Washington team, so like it's like I kind of feel an attachment towards them. But like like I said earlier, like this this endless like hole of mediocrity. It's not <laughs> it's not good like, because at because at at some point you have to like realize as a franchise like what is the difference between you being like the 10 seed and possibly missing the playoffs between you just being straight up bad and like you're you're missing the playoffs you're both same result like i mean obviously you want to like you want to have growth and you want to have like uh you know you want to have some sort of direction mm-hmm. that you want to go to but at least now with the wizards they're picking a direction saying hey we're going super young. We're gonna start adding. We're gonna start from the bottom. We're gonna wake up. Work our way back up. And you know, even as bleak as it's been, you know, there there are there are some like you know silver linings. You know, like they finally hit on a draft pick. Bilal is pretty summer, sick. And it's mm-hmm. that step through. I know everybody yeah, saw. It, it, that yeah. was sick. It's the only reason I watch the games. Like even, even though they got they got absolutely decked tonight, but like it's the only reason his progression his progression is probably like the one thing that I'm looking forward to every game. And I think the Raptors, like, even though like the season has been so bleak, like Scotty's progression, like every single game, that's something that you can very much hang your hat on. And then, you know, if you decide to just go all in on his direction in the offseason, like that's something that they can do. It's just in a it's just a matter of like, are they actually gonna do it? Because you know, I I think this front office still thinks in the back of their head, we can compete, we can compete, we can compete, we can compete. But how long are the how long are the fans and how long are the players just gonna realize like? Well, how many how many data points are they just gonna ignore? Is the question here? Is like exactly yeah. So like so yeah like I just think. The minute they just like realize to themselves, like, yeah, this isn't working out. We've tried this for like almost three years in a row now. Um, it's like, at what point is it gonna run its course? And you're just gonna say, like, okay, now it's time to shake things up because now you're kind of at a point where like you kind of have to choose like which players you want to keep, and like that's a that's a hard decision for Masai to make. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure what decision he's gonna make. Um, I think there is a like a very uh, simple solution, and that's to probably build around Scotty. But uh, it's it's still very difficult. It's still very difficult because Pascal's still very good. OG's really good. Um, the team has talent on it. It's just like the parts don't really fit. It's like you're trying to fit a square peg into a circle. Into a circle. So 2013 vibes, like, man. 2013 vibes. You want to yeah. know something? Uh, yeah. So where I grew up, there's like in small towns in Saskatchewan, there are little museums, and I learned that 
there were Dutch immigrants who came over and they actually would build homes smashing round pegs into square holes. As crazy as it sounds. But the Raptors, we don't want to be Dutch. You want the normal nails. Um, they were wooden, maybe a little bit more malleable. But also what you said about talent versus momentum. I also listened to an Andre 3000 interview today. And, you know, the guy was kind of probing him saying, like, maybe you should be rapping more. Think about he, he, he likened it to parking a Ferrari in the garage and never using it, his rapping talent. And he yeah. said, I don't think it's about talent. I think it's about momentum, you know, doing things at the right time, making the right decisions. And that's something that the Raptors have really struggled with. This was a team that had a really great sense of building, a really great sense of like adding on to things, even when it seemed like they couldn't get over the top in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Still in the regular season, they were kind of adding accolades. Their players were getting more accolades over time. Their team was winning more games. They were getting chances to add to the team, to kind of mess around with what's going on, check out different things. This team has done very little as far as like changing the look. And the Raptors of old would get to change the look in what they perceive to be an upgrade, for example. you It's not like Terrence Ross is the best guy ever, but Terrence Ross goes to the bench and you bring in Damari Carroll, for example. Swapping Fred Van Vliet for Dennis Schroeder, I think most people assumed that would be a downgrade of sorts, even if it's a better money move in the long term. Um, I guess we'll see what happens as far as like maintaining momentum. There's something I kind of want to ask about because this is a hot button topic. Um, Abre Los Ojos and as well as Josh H. So from Abre says the difference is 29 to 32 year old guys stealing developmental reps. And then Josh H. says, but we aren't putting Scotty in a real position to see what he can do. So I kind of want to stick on this as far as what you guys would like to see. So Pascal, for example, I think is probably around 26% usage. I think Scotty's close to like 23 I don't know what Dennis is right now. I imagine it's over 20%. But over a game, that's like one to two more used possessions. The, the gap. It's not as big as people think it is. There still has to be a ton of usage on this roster. And you don't want Scotty 40% usage. You don't yeah. want Scotty probably like 33% usage. These are like Russell Westbrook, James Harden numbers. What is the sweet spot to you guys? That's what I kind of want to understand. <sighs> That's tough. Um, I think, I think closer to what it was to start the year, and that doesn't necessarily mean that Pascal is the one getting the short end of the stick because that's what was happening. But it, as far as it comes to Scotty, Scotty was at around 26, 27% to start the year. It's come down to 23%. Pascal was at like 18 to 20, and it's come up to like 26%. If you could find a balance in which both of those guys are at like 25, 26 and have Schroeder be near 18, 17, maybe OG and uptick in usage, then I think you see people not being as, I guess, mad about the developmental reps, if you will, and touches overall. I, I still think you need guard play though. And that's where the equation gets tough. It's like, you still need a guard to run these actions. You still need a guard that can get downhill. You still still need a guard to operate. And I know Scotty point guard, all that type of stuff. But ultimately, as you said, like 20 minutes ago, Samson, you still need a guard, like a dynamic guard to play alongside Scotty. So how are you going to be able to compensate for that? That's where I'm left with the roster construction issue where it's like, yes, you would love to see 
both Pascal and Scotty having near equal usage, near equal touches. But then there's also a you're you're being deprived of something that you need on the in in a basketball game on a basketball court in guard play. And like, how are you going to get that from Scotty from Pascal creating these advantages? It's tough. If you 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 look at the Orlando Magic, who like rely very heavily on Franz and Paolo to be those high usage guys for them. And their guards do these ancillary things that still, despite the lack of shooting, really benefit those guys. Like Jalen Suggs, great point of attack defender. Cole Anthony comes off the bench, gets buckets, can score off of these plays for them, plays alongside Franz, plays alongside Paolo very, very well. You don't necessarily have those types of guards on the Raptors that can create these advantages for themselves and also play incredible defense like the Magic Guards do. So it's just tough, man. I, You need guard play in the NBA, especially now. And I just don't know how the Raptors can kind of cover that ground without playing a guy, uh, uh, without using a guy like Dennis this much. Yeah. And just to like sign. All right, it's the Raptor, it's the Baker and Samson show. Uh, Baker and S, hello, how you doing? I've I've commandeered the podcast. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you just froze. This is that, this is that Rexdale Wi-Fi right now, bro, you know? Um, yeah. Okay, I mean, look, honestly, I, I guess the, the, the thing that Samson was going to say <laughs> is... <laughs> I, I don't know what Samson was going to say, but ultimately, I guess, you know, what was what was your thoughts on what Samson was trying to say? I think uh, I think splitting, I think having as even killed a, a usage rate for both Pascal and Scotty is like very, is very. Um, I, I would mm -hmm. like that a lot, um, you know, as much possessions you can get into your best players hands, um, yeah. the better. Uh, but yeah, you're so right about the guard to play, you know having having guards who can you know just be you know key cogs yeah. in an offense you know who can like put who can lessen the pressure on your two you look at the celtics right Derek white and like the, and yeah. right like drew like drew, yeah drew Holland. yeah exactly um you know having guys to just take the pressure off like you know the playmaking and sometimes like you know the scoring you know can be so beneficial but like you know when you play with like I mean, Dennis hasn't hasn't been terrible. You know, he's been he's been somewhat serviceable at, at some point. I do think the usage has been too much for my liking, but uh, I think like you know having just like like just yeah. other options at guard. You know, people that actually can just play off like your wings and you know can space out for them, can defend, can you know do all the little things. You know, those those stuff those kind of qualities are very valuable and have in guards. So, you know, they don't really, Dennis is not a type of person to do that. It's like, he's more like the only thing he, he's more like um, useful mm -hmm. with the ball in his hands. Like he's not, a, he's not, yeah, a he's a, he's a pick and player. roll guard, right? Like he's, he's going to be the guy that's like initiating all of your actions, right? Trying to run the entire yeah. offense. And like, for the most part, Raptors fans have been not so happy with that being the case, especially in fourth quarter, right? Guys can't create advantages. It ends up getting in Dennis Schroeder's hands with like 10, 15 left on the clock. They run a pick and roll. He tries to get downhill. Nothing really happens, right? I, I, I just, yeah. to me, it's like the Raptors have so many holes that they have to fill and they're not a balanced enough roster to be able to fill them. They don't have enough versatility 
it's all about like options you can go to, right? We talked about the Celtics and it's like the Celtics can go super big with Porzingis and Horford in their lineup, or they can go small and have one of those guys in their lineup. Uh, and ultimately it leaves you with, and I know guys, we're, we're waiting for Samson, just like you guys, I promise we're waiting for him to come back. Um, but, but it gives you an optionality that the Raptors just don't have. Uh, and that optionality, you get deprived of that when, okay, you have Dennis Schroeder, but behind him, you have Malachi Flynn, who is trying to figure things out. Who's trying to develop himself. I thought he had a good game and he's back. There you go. We kept what a, what it a blessing, for you, man. <laughs> what a blessing to have these these yeah. wonderful co-hosts in here. Um, I have no idea what I was saying. I was just like, my computer is broken. Um, uh, what what topic are we on, fellas? What what have I missed? Well, I we're we're kind of just doubling down on the whole guard play is important thing and why it's tough yeah. to yeah. We were still on that thread. Okay, yeah, it has been tough. Long. I feel like that's yeah. the perfect word for it. Um, I did this. I did this video last year, looking at all of the transactions that the Raptors have made over the past um, the since the post championship. So looking at every trade, every signee, every draft pick, and basically the Raptors were able to glean surplus value from one, the Scotty Barnes pick. Uh, mm-hmm. That's it. As far as over the course of their contracts, who has been a better player, Gary Trent Jr. or Norm? Uh, Phoenix Plays E actually just commented yeah, that right good. this moment. Yeah. That's kind of funny. Um, Norm has been the better player. As far as like the Jakob trade, you look at other players that have been traded for in the past. You look at that Nicholas Claxton, the cost for him at one point was a late <sighs> first without even a second, not, you know, a what could be a fairly early first. Um, you look at a lot of their free agency signings, they haven't panned out. And even Dennis, a guy who is definitely giving you impact, it's not at the surplus, surplus level. All these things, this is a team that used to get a lot of surplus value from a lot of places. It would work in the draft. It would work in free agency. You, Biannual exception, Bismack Biombo, make mm-hmm. it happen. You win playoff games because of that dude. All this kind of stuff, it just, it's tough because you're not getting wins in the draft, you're not getting wins in trades, and you're not getting wins in free agency. This, and Phoenix Plays E brings up, it's a Kyle Lowry thing as well. Of course, Kyle Lowry helps elevate everything you do. Go ahead. It's. I just want to say that it snowballs, and it, it that's the frustrating part about this. It's like draft decisions free agency decisions, trade decisions. It's not just its own thing, right? These things snowball into the situation where the Toronto Raptors are at, where they are lacking in the leverage department when it comes to their expiring contract players who are up for trade, lacking in the leverage department when it comes to trade assets to be able to move these certain guys and maybe win now, whether it be first round picks or young prospects it's just tough because these things snowball and now you started this this tenure of Pascal and Scotty and all that stuff from a position of leverage and 2 3 years later all of that is gone because no leverage. You, you yeah all, no leverage yeah a great comment from Abrelos Ojos says um they dominated an outdated era of league as far as the front office goes i've seen this kind of as like a a thought that some people are kicking around. I think that it is probably true that there were 
more susceptible front offices to take advantage of. And Masai was like, oh, baby, <laughs> we can make a trade. Like, hey, pal, like I'm there. And there aren't as many. Like a lot of the deficiencies yeah. in decision making have been kind of eked out. When we see a player like give you way more surplus value, it's usually out of the draft or it's mm -hmm. usually heavily, heavily play style contextual. Like you can contextualize it in play style yeah. or personality. Like you take a chance on a guy like Malik Monk. I'm not trying to like he had stuff go on in Charlotte. He's a good guy, whatever, but he had stuff go on and that made teams kind of like, hmm, the Raptors had a shot at him, right? He ends up going to the Lakers. It's just like, you're not getting these big wins on the margin. You're not getting them on on the big stuff either, except for Scotty, thank God, who's shooting like 40% from three. Thank God. Um, I remembered what I was going to say before my computer blew up. Having like everybody gets, everybody and their mom gets to poke and laugh at Scotty and Pascal for not being these efficient wings. Like they get to look at the true shooting and yeah. the effective field goal percentage. And guess what? These guys don't get to play off of guards. Like every great wing for the most part, except shout out to Jason Tatum. I Baker, if you're about to say something, he's he's carrying a lot of weight. He's carrying a lot of weight. Good for him. But these a lot of great wings get to play off of good guards, and that's when you see that efficiency rise. It's because the defense is being bent all the time. All this kind of stuff. Um, it's just tough, man. These guys have to create from scratch so often. And that is why, you know, and it's even why, why did OG, why is OG like one of the highest volume corner three point shooters? A, because they put him there, but B, because the Raptors collapse the paint all the time. And guess where the pass goes? Even mm -hmm. if it's Pirtle on the roll, he brings a tag because he's a good roller. Everything funnels there. And the Raptors just like, they can't create driving lanes for their wings. And they have two wings who just drive the hell out of the basketball yeah. and they don't get to lean into what should be this roster's greatest strength is eliminated by its greatest weakness. And that is almost Shakespearean. It hurts me. It hurts to watch that. That's, that is just, Oh, I hate that so much. It yeah. bugs me. It's tough because you look at the Jakob trade, you look at adding Schroeder, you look at some of the bench guys, the way, you know, Malachi has panned out or has not panned out, Precious, his development. There were so many things that the Raptors were banking on here that it was sort of fool's gold to believe that this was going to be a successful season in the first place because well, nobody here thought it was. Going I know, to be. I know, I know. It's I'm just saying by the general. numbers. Yeah, yeah. Scotty yeah. makes it successful because as we've talked about before, mm -hmm. Scotty defines the future. The same way like the chat is correctly identifying like, oh Lowry made all of this surplus value possible. Why was Yuta Watanabe like definitely an NBA player with the Raptors, but way more of an NBA player when he was playing next to Kevin Durant both in Brooklyn and in Phoenix? Well it's a much more simplified role. And he gets to lean into all his fun little defensive quirks where he's a positive on that end. And he gets to just be a shooter and he doesn't have to create and do those progressive reads because a guy like KD just buckles the hell to the defense until, you know, it's an open jumper. Yeah. Kyle simplified roles for guys and the Raptors because they have a wing led offense because they haven't been able to 
you know, you shout out to guard-led offenses. They haven't been able to lean into it fully because they haven't had the requisite amount of talent there to bend defenses from the guard position. They can't simplify roles because they have to approach offense from such a strange point of view. Last year, through a bunch of mismatches, isolations, all that kind of stuff, and this year, through a bunch of high-post stuff that honestly, half the time goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then it's like high pick and roll with Dennis Schroeder and Jakob Pertl that goes nowhere. And it's like, how is a guy in a role supposed to slide and easy check in and out when he's like, you look at the way Grady came into this game and Grady has not been good enough to start this year. Give him time. He's 19, whatever. But every time he got the ball, it's just like, he's getting the ball. There's no way a shot is created for him at this point. Nothing, not yeah. a sliver of space. He's just looking like, how do I move the ball on? That equals more passes. Sure, it does. But they're just moving the ball back above the break to start a new action. Nothing is dangerous on this team. And I know we're saying this after they scored 130 points. We're talking about the, the season as a whole. Yeah. But it's it's tough, man. Uh, now everyone is saying bring Kyle home. That's not necessarily what I mean. Uh, <laughs> I just hope that Scotty can define future success for the Raptors in a way that Kyle has in the past. It's a great hope of mine. About this game, I thought the Scotty plus OG bench lineups were really good. And, and Pascal plus OG bench lineups worked yeah, well as well. Absolutely. Um, I, I thought there were moments that Malachi was really, really good for this team. Super, super good stints from him. And like, you know, if we're going about development reps, and I saw a, a comment there earlier saying wins equals development or something, uh, ultimately, yeah, it's pretty successful when you have Scotty playing the way he's playing. OG. Guys seem to develop really well on teams that win. That's like a. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sam Hauser, if he got drafted to the Raptors, he's out of the league, man. I tell you that much. <laughs> Luke Cornett would not have a role in this league if he played for the Raptors. Oh man. Yeah, no, I, um, I look I look, the bench was good, and I think the bench has been a prevailing good for the last couple of games for this team. Um, which if you want to take it as a win developmentally, is a win. To your point about Scotty, I think him developing the way he has. I know some people are like, hey, maybe he should be getting more opportunity. Maybe he should be in a better environment. And yes, that's probably the case long term. But for this season, what he's been able to do, I think I tweeted out one time saying he turns water into wine. He really does sometimes. And that applies to Pascal as well. For a guy as young as Scotty to be working with the tools that he is with this roster and being as productive as as he's been is a super big win because whenever it gets to the point when like a team does make sense around this guy that, and you know, you talk about roles, right? Utah and all that stuff. When those roles make a lot more sense, it'll look a lot better both for Scotty and for those role players. I also need Scotty to make himself a little bit more comfortable and uncomfortable on the drive more often. Cause I, somebody brought up that usage isn't, is like a non-nuanced way to talk about, touches and all that kind of stuff like I get that to some degree but usage is basically saying like what is a guy taking it doesn't necessarily take into account like all their play types how often they're used and if you Mm -hmm. want articles on that kind of stuff you won't find them anywhere besides raptorsrepublic.com for example but I'll tell you this much Scotty gets like 16 more touches a game than Pascal does and we watch Pascal force things and see Pascal kind of get out of sorts going downhill Scotty Get uncomfortable going downhill a little bit more often. Like those extra 16 touches, the fact that he spends like he uses more dribbles per touch. 
he he's on the ball longer when he gets a touch on average than Pascal is. Even when you factor in that Pascal has those long post-ups that are like six dribbles and like four seconds. Scotty, some of that, take it. No, I don't think anybody on the roster is going to look at you sideways if you take that. Maybe that's yeah. what, I think that's what a lot of people alluded to with Fred's commentary and all that kind of stuff last season. I get it. But I think like Scotty should have carte blanche. Try it out, man. Yeah. Stretch yourself to see what happens. And I know like he's he's doing so by taking more jumpers, but I'd like to see, you know, what happens. And YG7 says he does get downhill and there's four players in the paint waiting for him. Pascal Siakam, same thing. Pascal figures out how to score on the drive with that paint collapse. And I'd like to see Scotty try and make that happen more often because this is the worst shooting team in the league. And you cannot rely on the kickout pass. You shouldn't. And Scotty, I want him to try and be dangerous. That's and I if anybody thinks I'm being too harsh, please. That is not a harsh critique. He's been no. fantastic. But I'd like to see him get a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more risk averse with a live dribble going downhill. Punch the gap, man. Yeah. Make somebody meet you in the middle. Let's see what let's see what's going if on. I'd like to see more of it. What's your what's your favorite saying? If only Scotty knew how strong he was, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not my favorite saying. That's not my favorite saying. That's not mine. That's a joke. It's a Samson um, folk bat. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I would I would like to see more aggression off the bounce. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I agree. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think like experimentation is where this Raptors team should be at. And, you know, going back to the whole starting lineup discussion and tweaking lineup changes and all that stuff, I think it, I, I guess from that perspective, it's sort of disappointing to see that the Raptors haven't experiment, experimented much with changing things up. For the most part, their rotation has been the same. Um, and Darko I, likes his rotation, man. He likes it, even though it has not been very. The, yeah. I, I'd say he loves it. I'd go so far and say it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than like the odd ninth man being different every now and then, it's either like sometimes it'll be J-Mac over Chris Boucher. Today it was Grady Dick over Chris Boucher, and then Boucher came in later. Like other than that, he doesn't really change his lineup that much. And I, I kind of need a little bit more experimentation from that, from what how the Raptors are utilizing some of their guys. And just, yeah, like you, this season – I'm not going to say it's lost. It's nine and fourteen, but you're at, you're in a position where like things aren't looking great, so you might as well try some stuff. And like that's all I'm saying, you know. I don't know. You're you're being you're being way too kind. You're, you're being way too <laughs> well, kind. Well, be unkind. Then. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 yeah. Come on, earn the kind. enemy um, wings, brother. I mean, I don't I don't think like you know like like I think trey and you said in samson said earlier like on the space today um like scotty's develop scotty being this good this season the season's already a success to mm-hmm. be honest like there's not much like there's not much a disappointment or heartbreak that can like literally factor in because you've literally found you you literally found out like yeah this guy can be our our next guy moving forward but um you know as far as the team goes like like competitive com- competitive wise like like this is who they are like i think this is who, who they who they are who they're going to be maybe they'll go on a run and maybe maybe they'll rip off some wins but tough like, to see this team is just are you like, saying they are who just, we thought they were yeah i mean like they have like what is the difference between this this year's team and last year's team like well they're worse like is the yeah, I mean, a li- like a little bit worse, but you know, you're seeing a lot of the same inconsistencies. You know, 
good defense, good good defense, bad offense, bad offense, good defense. It's like the same. It's like you're getting the same like you know inconsistencies that you're seeing from last season, and you know, I know uh, Darko. Like I'm not really gonna like give him much flack this first season. You know, rookie coaches they don't really have like yeah. He's he's got to figure it out too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm really not gonna put like this on Darko. No. You inherit a team yeah. that has been for years inconsistent defensively. And just downright terrible offensively, and the is the worst shooting team. Worst in the shooting team yeah. in the league. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a yeah. lot of people tried to tell me, as I was saying preseason, that yeah. a coach just can't make guys who aren't who don't make a good offense into good offense. Everyone said, "Hey, you don't know what he's going to do." I said, "I have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen." Yeah, yeah. And guess what? <laughs> you can't just make stuff happen because, like, I got a big brain on the sideline. Those guys out there are playing, and they have things they can and can't do. And on the other side are guys who are paid the same millions of dollars trying to stop them from doing that. It's not the coach, exactly. really. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Uh, one, okay. Yeah. Um, the Raptors have nine more games left in December. They have obviously not won a game in December yet. Um, I will give you the teams they are playing, and you guys tell me how many wins they will be getting in December. Do you okay. have another four-game winning fun. streak prediction in you? S? Maybe. Maybe I do. Maybe I do. There is a streak okay. here I could see happening. Uh, okay, two games against the Hawks this week. Then the Hornets, Split. Nuggets, Sixers, Jazz, Wizards, Celtics, Pistons. All right, can you can you name those teams again? <laughs> yeah. No, no, one go by. one at a time. One go one okay. at a time. All right, I'll go, go one, one at a time. Win or loss. Okay, Hawks. say win or loss. Hawks times two. One and one. Split. Okay. Yep. Hornets win. Win. <laughs> Nuggets loss. Loss. Uh at Philly. Loss. Loss. Uh versus Utah. Win. Okay, I can see them losing. I can see them losing. I can see them losing any game, but I'm gonna say win. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh at Washington. Win. Win. Yeah. Uh at Boston. Loss. Loss. At Detroit. Win. Win. Okay, so that's like four. There's yes. there could that could be the record breaker. I'm just saying, like <laughs> in a in a really <laughs> pessimistic sense. Yeah. So what I had, I think I had four and five. Yeah, four and five. Four I think both five. of you guys had about four, four and five. five. Yeah. Four and five. Yeah. Even just five. hearing that out loud, it sounds too optimistic. So that it does it does <laughs> sound too optimistic. You're right. But like, okay, even if they do finish the year four and five, finish 2023 four and five, they will be four and. What am I talking about? Four and nine in December. That's tough, man. That's really tough. They'd be nine and 14. They'd, oh, that's like oh, four and 19 or four and 20. That's tough, brother. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Pistons guys. Yeah, make me I mean, sad. They do. Hmm? Just the very existence of them. They really. <laughs> and also, Wait, a slightly less sad, or maybe more sad. The Raptors make me sad sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm just like watching these games. I know it's my job, but I'm like, damn, this is not good basketball. Too often. Wait, who? The Raptors. Wait, would you say who'd you who'd you no before? Like, would you say made you sad? Oh, the Pistons, I mean, man. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's like losing 20 games in a row. I don't think like like I hate losing just like one or once or twice. Like if I lost 20 games. Like, if you like, want to lose twenty imagine... games, you come up to Toronto. You play with us, Baker. 
Nah. Whichever team I'm on, man, we're winning a bunch of games. Man. Okay, bet. If we have this recorded, we'll we'll keep this in mind. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. We we heard the same thing as Summer League, man, but we ran the courts there. So one last thing before we get out of here. Uh, just want to give S the chance to wait, everyone. Hey, if you're in here, there's like 150 people watching like the video. It helps spread it to other people. It's free. Oh, yeah. It's right there. Just click it. It is. It does me a huge favor, please. And thanks. And uh, before we get out of here, yeah. S, uh, would you like to alert anybody to uh, work you've done or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, recaps every morning after Raptors games. I don't know if you guys want to relive these type of games, but they will be available. Going to jump in and do the recap right after this. Um, I think, you know, I did some stuff for Forbes, going to be writing for Forbes. I do have a piece potentially in the couple of weeks, in the next couple of weeks coming out on Raptors Republic about not Raptors related. It's canadian basketball adjacent so check that out as well once it comes out and yeah appreciate you having me on as always thank you very much baker uh any anything you want to promote the word of muhammad um. so <laughs> 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 yeah, hell yeah um, <laughs> uh, but um Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's always nice to you know, pop by and you know give me give some insight. Um, and this is my first time. It's my first time chatting with. I know, on, I know. So. I'm so very wow. happy. I know. Yeah, we've never we've never yeah. been succinct in this. I'm very happy. Yeah. Uh, someone, uh, yeah. Abrilos Ojo said, "I look like an Italian mobster." Thank you so much. You've made my week and my <laughs> day. Thank you. You understand? It's very important for me to do this. You know. Okay. Escort Thank you. Own. Uh, yeah, that's S. You should take this real or just the fact that somebody said that and give it out to oh, like yeah. all the acting or the yeah. hire, what is, scouting agents. What do they sure. call them? Yeah, yeah. You, something like yeah. that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, wait. Okay. So Phoenix Plays, he asked what we think about the, you know, it's the end of the podcast. Everyone's around. We're basically, we have the momentum. You're in here to listen to us talk. Otani gets paid 70 million a year. He, he is getting paid $2 million a year for 10 years. He's making how is that legal? Four times less than Thaddeus Young. Four times less, and he's getting he's deferred somehow six hundred and eighty million dollars. I just have to get thoughts. How is that legal? Is my question. Like how how is that allowed in baseball? Passon tweeted out the like exception, and in the CBA there is literally a paragraph that says there is no limit on this exception and they obviously i bet people thought it would be like we sign x player for like 20 million dollars for one year and he gets paid 1 million like maybe it's a veteran or something like that i bet they had no thought in their mind that the 700 million dollar whopper was going to be deferred all of it yeah that's crazy man that's wild and like how do you compete with that like what yeah, how do the like how? I know I know baseball is much more of a team sport and it's not about just like signing the greatest baseball player of all time and being like okay well they're gonna Trout win Trout and Otani played together and it didn't even work right but like point. but like giving them this leverage of oh it only is a two million dollar cap hit now they can go out and sign whoever else they want and like I think it still comes out to forty six oh okay or something okay like that. but still that's so, like that's still like he. 
he gets paid two million, but because of the competitive baseball tax, they pay forty six. I'm not sure exactly how it works out, That's but it's weird. still either way. At the very least, you're saving twenty four million dollars a year, or something. Mm-hmm. That's and, or sixty eight. Which yeah, yeah. and also from the point of view of like Gavin Newsom, are you are you throwing a fit? Because what if Otani once these payments start deferring moves away from California, right. and you're like, we don't get the tax. 68 million or 70 million dollars a year to give back to our constituents i would i'd be irate yeah that is crazy so is it a lump sum payment like is he gonna get paid 680 million dollars he he gets paid every year for 10 years you're italian mobster you would want the lump sum lump sum yeah yeah 180 million dollars that's that five percent bro yeah i don't know and it also isn't accruing interest. Yeah, that's it's also crazy. wild. That's also wild. Baseball is so weird when it comes to this money stuff, man. It's just like it's monopoly. It doesn't exist. You know, it's just a figment of our imag- imagination. It's the Wolf of Wall Street thing. It's Fugazi, you know, Fugazi, Fugazi. 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 I don't it's know. It's a woozy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but also, Phoenix Plays, he asked the follow up, like, wouldn't that, here's what he says, wouldn't that make the Dodgers poverty for the coming decade post Otani? It very it might, but I suspect that what's going to happen is Otani's going to play for the Dodgers for like seven years, yeah. and that organization is going to be worth billions of dollars, and they're going to yeah. sell it. And then some guy's going to be like, "I bought the Dodgers with Otani," and then a guy who looks like S comes up to the door and says, "Hey, hey, was my six hundred and." <laughs> I can't do numbers in the Italian mobster accent very well for some reason. Yeah. Numbers are hard to do in that accent. One hundred million dollars, you know, I can't do it. Yeah. If I if I knew baseball, if I knew this type of money was in baseball, I would have I would have picked up a bat a long time ago. I can I say something, and I, this is gonna come off as anti Baker, but it's not. So my apologies. But <laughs> I I hated that. Everybody's like, oh, I got to get my kid into baseball. It's like your kid's not making the league, man. Isn't isn't Jeez. baseball by numbers? Isn't baseball by numbers the easiest league to make? Uh, I don't know if it's the easiest one to make. Uh, no, just by have... like sheer roster size. Oh, the NFL probably, is 50. Probably oh, NFL, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah right. and, the, NFL, and there's because, 30 teams. And at least like the NFL. N- Go ahead, Baker. Yeah, NFL is like so. You got 53 man roster. Mm-hmm. Then you have a practice. Then you have a practice squad. Right. So literally anybody who gets cut, but they don't get picked up by waivers. I think they're they're automatically. So it's like a hundred players team. on a team. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically a hundred players, and you know injuries happen. You know, rosters are um rosters are um consistently shuffling. You know, you're you're adding people. Yeah, but the NFL has non guaranteed money. Which, by the way, I know yeah. baseball like minor leagues is like super predatory yeah. like it's not good crazy yeah. bro yeah there's unless you're, um, unless you're like the cream of the crop at your position like you're not getting guaranteed money or at least you're or or unless like you're a quarterback yeah. you're, like you're not making guaranteed money the nfl and the mlb are both experts at not giving people money yeah like that is that they view that as the sport what happens on the field is secondary like, how do we get not give these guys money? Like, the MLB is so good at not giving guys money that they um, register or they started building restaurants just outside of the premises that's considered the park 
so that it doesn't fall under like the collective bargaining, the money made from those restaurants. That's no, crazy. They're, they're private restaurants that exist, like they're not in the, the arena and people spend money there, but this isn't, this isn't part of the, the team or whatever. It's, it's insane. They work very hard at this stuff. Wow. And the NFL yeah. is just like bodies, 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 yeah. nuts. It's all, yeah. I mean, all the owners are cheap. You know, they're all like old, they're all boomers. So like, you know, it, they're very cheap, you know, unless you're like, you know, they like, look like, like me in 40 years, let's say. Yeah. I'm just like, trying to think have... like, what, what would be the best kit? What would be, what would be the best sport to put your kid in? You know, the soccer, NBA. basketball, I think basketball, probably still basketball. The, you, there's just no way my kid's making the NBA, man. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Okay. Wait, wait. If your kid, <laughs> if your kid is tall, if your kid is tall, if yeah. they meet the prerequisite height, yeah. then yes. Right. But otherwise it's soccer. Yeah, yeah, I think soccer is the way to go too. Yeah, especially since yeah. Messi is the greatest of all time, and he was literally on HGH from like age eight because he had a growing deficiency. Crazy. Him and him and Hezbollah would have been the same if he if he didn't track it down. That's such a wild story that I heard. Wild. Yeah. They both make money either way, I guess. Mm-hmm. The destined yeah. destined for greatness. That feels like you know like six minutes of baseball talk for the for the pull up <laughs> tray listeners who listened at the end of last year. Um, who've been waiting for baseball conversation from myself. Uh, I guess you got it. Uh, to everybody listening, it definitely dwindled after we started talking baseball. There's, <laughs> there's no question about it. Um, to everybody listening, thanks for kicking around with us for the night. Thanks for listening to us talk a little bit about the Knicks game, but mostly about a team that is struggling at a bunch of different things. Um, for myself, Chris Fendi Arberhaney, from my dear friend Baker, uh shout out to everybody in the chat you guys are the best insightful uh engaging and thoughtful so uh it makes all this stuff easier for the people listening on their walks their dog whatever in the morning or just listening late at night thanks for tuning in and whether you got into this in the morning or at night have a blessed day and goodbye